episode of Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's always your host, Evan Setter, and my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Setter. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanQueen14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns page. We are already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter is very much appreciated, as always. We're recording on a new spot today. We're actually in the media room recording right now as far as tonight's loss for the Phoenix Suns, which is one of the ugliest of the season so far, in my opinion. 112-87 was the final score in this one as T.J. Warren returned to Phoenix, had himself a game for the Pacers. They're really, I mean, honestly, Brian, my recap on Brad's side of the sun, I wrote my recap up, and there was zero positive from this game. There was all negatives, and I don't know about you, but this is one of those games where if you're the Suns, you just throw it out into the garbage right away. Yeah, I mean, I think Monty Williams basically said the same thing. I mean, throw the game away, but learn from it is what he is how he put it, and I mean, I, I think that's that's probably fair just considering, like you said, I mean, there's really no bright spot. And, and even worse, I think that there's some major concerns in terms of how the how the Suns got so far away from what their what the way they play is. Uh, 13 assists to 13 turnovers, only attempting 23s, only making four of them. Devin Booker going five of 12, DeAndre Ayton back to not getting to the free throw line. I'm sure we'll go into... Uh, plenty of the negatives in the next segment, but the only positive I can see, the only one Monty acknowledged was Mikhail Bridges. Uh, 33 minutes for him tonight, nine min- or nine points, six rebounds, two steals. Pretty much played a typical Mikhail game, and I would, I mean, I would agree with Monty in that. It seems like he was the only guy who was dedicated to playing the right way tonight. Yeah, totally agree with you there. If there is any positive in this game, Monty mentioned it to us, and that was Mikhail, who had nine points. He also had six rebounds, two steals, four of eight shooting overall in 30, 33 minutes time for the Suns. But if you want to parse around your burn, 25-point loss, was there any other positive from this one? I know Devin Booker had a hot start. He had 10 points in the first quarter, yeah. but outside of that, there really was not much. No, I think in lieu – so I, I knew we weren't going to have many positives. In lieu of that, I think it's uh, – Tonight was eye-opening to me in terms of maybe finally having the Mikhail Bridges maybe should be starting yeah. dis, dis, uh, the discussion at least because I know like this might be a weird night to say it because I don't think he necessarily would have done much better against uh, DeMontis Sabonis who scored 24 points with 13 rebounds and got to the line 11 times just really keyed the one-on-one scoring that Indiana put together it's not great to have a small starting lineup against a team like that, but I just think the team feels different every time McHale's on the floor. And with how inconsistent they've been, I, I think that having your your most kind of cohesive glue type of piece on the floor to start games, it, it's worth a look at this point. Yeah, I would certainly agree with you there. I mean, we'll hit on him in the next segment here, but Darius Sharich did not do himself any favors tonight playing 20 minutes. He only had four points, but... I just think stylistically, and also the numbers prove this as well as far as the eye test and the advanced stats go, they probably changed tonight with how the, the game went. But I, I believe the Suns with Mikhail Burris in the lineup instead of Dario Sharge with their current starters. So you go Booker, Rubio, Aiton, Oubre, and Bridges was a plus 37.5 in the net rating in 45 minutes together this year, which is a really great, great stat. But who knows how it changed this year. But I, I really feel like Dario and Mikhail should really flip spots at this point. I do agree with you there. Yeah, it, it feels like you kind of just maybe bite the bullet on whatever you're losing in terms of physicality and rebounding and, and the, the little things that are nice about having a big starting lineup. But I think to me, like, how many times has Monty pointed to 
little plays. I, I think of Kelly uh, diving to the floor. What was the game they came back and, and he got the that breakaway dunk because he stole the ball, like fell to the ground and dished it to somebody was for a dunk? The Hornets? Maybe? It might have been the Hornets yeah. game. That sounds right. I know it was recent. And he, he said that's – that's like our identity, that type of a play where it's like we're going to play harder than you and we're going to keep playing hard the whole game, even through you know tight stretches to come out on top of it. Mikhail is that to me, you know? And so it's like I get that the, the small lineup isn't going to be great, but I, do, I just think it's like to be at their best and to, to have their identity be as strong as possible and to win games the way that they've been winning games. I know he's playing 33 minutes. He almost doubled up Dario Saric in minutes, but... I just think it's I think it's time, but yeah, no, not too many overall positives. I did just want to bring that up because Dario went back into the starting lineup, and whether it was getting out of rhythm by leaving it or just you know continued kind of hot and cold play from him, he's not really responded well to being reinserted to the starting lineup at all. Yeah, certainly would agree with you there. And just before we go on to our next segment here, I just wanted to let you know, just from the Pacers standpoint, just real quick, I wanted to hit on that just. I feel like this Pacers team, we saw it in person tonight with T.J. Warren, former Sun back, had himself a game with 25 points and 18 shots. But this team doesn't have Victor Oladipo, this Pacers team. And I feel like we were talking about off the air during the game that this could be one of those teams. I mean, we saw Miami this year when they came in and boat raced the Suns team. That they're going to be a really, really good team. And I think with Indiana, you add in Victor Oladipo eventually. They win tonight by 25 points in Phoenix. That Pacers team is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I think to me it's like they have – Good players. I mean, Sabonis is, has just slowly worked his game better and better and has become a, a legitimate scorer in addition to all the other things. But Nate McMillan's a really good coach. I mean, we saw it Monday again tonight. It's these teams that can just punish you for mistakes are ones that the Suns are, are going to have a hard time against. Indiana's no exception to that. They just drive and kick, drive and kick, isolate you. Their defense was swarming like – it really felt like the Suns had no chance. Yeah, definitely I would agree. 112-87 tonight was the final score for the Suns as they lost by 25 points to the Pacers. But we're going to go on to our next semi here. As you guys can know, there really wasn't much positive tonight's game, if at all. But there's going to be plenty of negatives, though. Before we go into that, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor today's show, which is from Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Remains a great candidate use Indeed every day to find our next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you create your shortlist of applicants fast. Also add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library have more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash LockedOn and get a free sponsored job grade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms, conditions, and exclusions may apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. Again, that is, that is Indeed.com slash LockedOn. All right, we're going to dive in now to our negatives, Brennan. I'm going to start us off here, and we were just hinting at it as far as that discussion we just had with Mikhail about him, maybe him being in the starting lineup. And I, I want mine to be Dario Sharich here because – like you were just mentioning there, 20 minutes. He only had four points tonight. Just, I feel like we kind of know who Dario is at this point. We've said this countless times when he has bad games at, on the, at home, but also on the road. But he's just so streaky and inconsistent. When he, he's almost like Dragon Bender at this point to me. Like when his first few shots don't fall, it's gonna be a really bad night for him. Yeah, I think that. I think the way that they played early in the year, 
It's true for a lot of guys, uh, I think offensively and defensively. The way that they played early in the year, you could tell, was specifically crafted to make everybody's life easier. I think Dario was a, a really big benefactor of that, being able to, to help early on defense and, and get in the way rather than having to rotate and, and you know try to go up and block shots and, and things like that at the four spot. And Monty's called him a connector a million times. That's a, I think that's from Brett Brown because I've heard the – I've heard him use that same term, but none of that's happening right now. And so I think that's, to me, part of the reason that Dario's value is just sinking. It's This team's not moving the ball as much as they were. I know today's a down point with that, but I think overall they, they don't look offensively like the same team. And uh, it's a lot more through Booker and Ayton in simpler actions, not so much on the ball movement, but really simplified just those two guys kind of operating. Dario doesn't have as much to do there. And uh, defensively, I mean, they're just playing really bad defense. They've been bad defensively for most of the season. So uh, there's just, you know, he's definitely not going to be a helper there. But, you know, I, I think part of that McHale conversation and, and what this team's identity truly is, what it says to me is Dario just doesn't fit. I think, I think that's, to me, starting to become more and more obvious because you'd think on a night like this against Indiana, who starts two regular bigs, if he can't find a way to be impactful on a night against a team that plays so huge in their starting lineup, when is he going to be? You yeah. know? Uh, I totally agree with you there on that point. And we saw it not really at all against the Knicks a couple of weeks ago when they were doing the Baines 8 lineup, and Sarge really couldn't find his footing against that kind of matchup. And tonight, Sabonis and Turner just took his lunch money every time on the block, and offensively, Sarge wasn't able to do much at all. Like Sabonis and Turner just had their way with him as well, but – I know there's a lot of negatives from this one, Brian. What was yours? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a couple. Uh, two main ones that I want to point to. One of them's not a player, but more of a an addition to what I was just touching on, which is the defense. And it doesn't seem to matter who they play right now. Their perimeter defense is atrocious. Uh, teams are getting into the lane and scoring or dishing no matter who has the ball. T.J. McConnell looked like <laughs> Ricky Rubio out there tonight. Ten points and 11 assists for him just a couple days after uh, giving up 25-9, and nine, I think it was, to Derek White. So it's, I think, especially noteworthy on the bench. But, you know, McConnell was playing with the starters. Brogdon went out with this game with head a head injury that apparently could be a concussion from what Nate McMillan said postgame. So... McConnell was basically the starter, and no matter who had the ball, they were getting into the paint, and and it's just that seems pretty elementary. That wasn't happening early in the year. Ricky Rubio, especially, I think, is supposed to be somebody who prevents that, and there's just no answer for it right now. A simple pick and roll, whatever, they get into the paint. Yeah, plus 27 in 27 minutes for T.J. McConnell. I feels like it's like a box score kind of record as far as like getting that much plus minus up in that kind of time for McConnell, but. As far as that goes, just I want to piggyback off that point for a second because my other main point as far as negatives from this game I wrote about on Bright Side of the Sun is just this this bench is just – I don't know what to say at this point about this bench. It's just McHale, I, I know, had a good game. Elliot Cobo had it, garbage time points when they were down by 25 late. Javon Carter threw in a three as well if he wanted to. But, oh, man, I just don't know what to say about that bench and especially the backup point guard spot. I'm going to keep hitting that point home here because I feel like a Cobo – Carter, Ty Jerome actually played minutes tonight. Did not look good in those 12 minutes he played. They need to get some help on that position because Ricky Rubio and Denver can't carry that by themselves. 
No, I mean, and it's it's really not even been Rubio lately. Three assists in 23 minutes for him. Uh, Indiana controlled the pace of this game. I mean, it helps that they were making every single shot and their defense was so good. Those are those are two pretty easy ways to control the tempo. But the Suns, when they did uh, maybe you know a handful of times when they were able to get into transition, that's when I think Bridges was a, a pretty big factor in that. Um, you saw Rubio get a, a fast break past him, Bridges on a dunk at one point. There were plays where when they were doing what they usually do, it looked fine. Uh, I do think Rubio's to blame for some of that because, um, you know, it's it's not like it's drastically better when he's in the game lately is, is my point. And I know that the backups are not even close to his level either, but it's 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 really a problem, I think, with the identity right now. So I just I had to double check when the trade deadline was February sixth. I don't think if they want to make a trade, I don't think they can wait fifteen days. I don't think they're so just going to keep losing games exactly like this. Yeah, that's got to be like some move on the edges here. I, I mean, we'll talk about it. I'll definitely a lot more in the next couple of weeks to be close to that trade deadline here. But I think the Suns team can't be complacent at all. Yeah, and to be fair, just to reiterate it as well for anyone who missed the game live, the Suns were without Cam Johnson and Aaron Baines tonight. Obviously, things would probably be a little bit different in terms of depth considering those are both of their probably two best backups aside from Bridges but when you have the guys handling the ball just so incapable of putting any sort of rhythm together it's not going to be it's not going to change so maybe it is a trade maybe it's something else the other one I wanted to have as my second flagrant foul would be I think DeAndre Ayton is realizing Similar to the conversation we've had about Kelly Oubre, who also didn't have much of a great game tonight, you can't you can't not bring it every night. I mean, that sounds simple. That's that's the NBA. That's sports. But it's it's pretty kind of ridiculous to me that they can have losses that come just because of a lack of energy. Still, this far into not only this season but some of these guys' careers, that's a lesson that they've learned time and again, and it feels like there's still just nights where they come out flat. And how we've been saying that since every game recap since we started doing this show. I mean, not every one, but it's been a question for every game we've ever covered of if they're going to have energy. And that that's just – you, you can't be in the playoff race and still it's a question if you're going to play hard. But at, at, at some point that has to give. And I think Aiton to me is, is the culprit tonight with, again, no free throw attempts – didn't really feel like he had it in him to compete with Turner and Sabonis tonight. Yeah, 10 points, 8 rebounds for Aiden, 5, 12 from the field in 31 minutes. And like you mentioned, I'm glad you brought him up to close this segment out here because I feel like this might have been his worst, maybe not worst game of the season. It might honestly be just because I feel like outside of the first few minutes of that game, that offensive rebound tip and he had that dunk mm-hmm. where he was screaming afterwards. Like after that, I just feel like he disappeared from the game. Yeah. Nothing much after that. Demonis Sabonis mentally, I feel like, just took him over in the second half of that game, quick fouls left and right. He bullied him down low eight multiple times. And I just feel like a guy like DeAndre Ayn at this point, just like you mentioned, he has to be consistent every night. You just can't, that's yeah. number one overall pick, you can't just like jog through a game, you know? You have to bring it. Yeah, and I think he seems like, you know, there's shooters who have to work themselves into rhythm. To me, it seems like he's a guy who he has to have a moment like that to get into a game or, I mean, maybe – maybe more than one, maybe collective the first quarter has to go well or, or whatever, but when he doesn't dominate early and, and get hyped up that way, it feels like he either gets discouraged or just doesn't 
have the the mental energy to to keep it up over the course of a game and like you said he he did kind of just feel like he wasn't impacting the game at all and they need him I mean that's an obvious statement especially with Aaron Baines out but uh, when he's as as quiet and just inactive as he was tonight they're not going to win much but uh, I think that's enough piling on we can move on to our stats to watch here but before we do that the second sponsor of today's show is the Arizona Office of Tourism and all they do for spring training. So this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food make Arizona the perfect home base for baseball fans. You have 10 stadiums that home are home to 15 MLB teams, all within 50 miles of one another in the Valley of the Sun here. That means you can catch two games in a day or kind of piggyback from one stadium to the other, all of them right in the area, all of them recently renovated, as I have been talking about. These places are are beautiful in addition to being uh, just fun ways to spend an afternoon. So if you want to get some food or drinks nearby, we have places like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet House, right around the corner from a lot of these venues, live music from local and national artists, and just some stuff to, to pass the time as well, whether that's hiking, biking, museums, ghost towns even, and destinations like the Grand Canyon that are just a quick drive away. If you need to bring the kids along, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families as well, between the resorts and hotels that we have here right around these stadiums to the stuff for the little ones to do like wildlife parks and science museums. To take advantage of everything going on in the Valley this spring, plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Where do we want to go with with stats to watch? I think the one to me, Evan, that stood out was assist-to-turnover ratio. I I said it at the top of the show just because I think it really was my main takeaway, but it's also just such a glaring number. I think that's the lowest assist total of the season. I almost feel like I don't even have to check it. No, I think definitely 13 is the lowest, and probably by a lot. I think 20 or 21 might have been the lowest this year, maybe 19. Like That's very far below what it was. And they had 13 turnovers, too. They matched their turnovers to their assists, and that's not going to win you many games, if at all, in this league. Yeah, the other one to me would be, um, I mean, the shooting percentages, just to, hi- just to highlight how glaring this game was. 54% for Indiana from the field, just just straight up field goal percentage, and 36 for the Suns. I mean, Monty Williams was almost just flabbergasted <laughs> that the Suns missed 54 shots. He repeated it a couple times, just laughing at how big the – not laughing, not making light of it, but kind of like a holy crap of that's a, a ton of shots to miss in an NBA game. And I get that you're not going to have a lot of assists if you're missing so many shots, but – it's it's not going to get much more different than that. Almost 20 percentage points higher for Indiana. Yeah, and that says a lot about just how that game went tonight. And another stat to watch here I want to throw in here is just the three-point percentage for the Suns tonight, 4 of 20, 20%. They had zero at halftime, by the way. And if not for McHale making a shot late, a Kobe making a shot late, and Javon Carter, this would have been a night where you make maybe one or zero threes. And that's – in 2020, Brendan even saying that, it's just incredible. It just – I think Ty Dur- not not Ty Jerome, excuse me, Cam Johnson is one of the guys, and even Monty Brown post game that they're really missing his spacing on this team, mm-hmm. and without Cam out there, just a lot of that space just vanishes. I even think the same could be said for Baines, as much as he's been cold lately. Uh, Aiton doesn't space the floor. We we don't need to go over that again. And Dario only took one. One of his seven shots was from distance. So 
I, I think that right now it's it is a bigger problem. I know a lot of fans. I think feels like the narrative from fans has been that this team's like avoiding them. And to be clear, Monty criticized the team for not creating good open threes after the game. So this is not a team that's trying to get away from that shot. I know Booker's been taking less, but ideally they want to generate open threes. That's part of why their offense has just felt so different lately is they're not getting those shots like they were early in the season when they would take 30 or 40 in a game. So uh, I think, again, it's, it's a lot of things connected, but you can't take 20. You know, at a certain point, like, just start chucking them because whatever else was going on, there were just some bad shot attempts. Ty Jerome airballing a floater and um, Czech Diallo, Monty said, you know, the, the shots he was taking weren't always within the offense. Javon Carter, the stop-and-go drive game that he has never really seems to work. So just get the ball outside and try to generate some of those shots a little bit more. I think that might go a long way. Another one real quick before we end today's show, maybe just wrap up on some general takeaways here. Points in the paint, this is a huge discrepancy here. The Pacers had 58, the Suns had 40, and DeMontis Sabonis had a lot to do with that tonight, 24 points, and he added T.J. Warren's floater game. Miles Turner had a couple shots down there too. Just Indiana did whatever they want offensively tonight against the Suns team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everywhere you way you slice it, I think that's pretty clear. I think it's it was interesting the way they used Warren tonight to have him defending Booker, and then I don't know if you noticed, but Booker was defending him toward in the yeah. second half, mm-hmm. which is, is not – normal obviously Booker's not really defending three four guys most of the time but uh, that didn't do much uh, either Warren continued his his hot scoring all night so yeah disappointing I think and the Suns continue to play really poorly at home they're still far below 500 at home which shouldn't be the case I know they've been home heavy so they played a lot of their hard schedule has been just at home by the nature of it but January kind of slipped away from them. We talked about January all year, and here they are. I don't know exactly what their January record is, but they were seven and four in their last eleven. Now they're seven and six, and so it's like in their last thirteen because they've lost two in a row now, and they're going to be about five hundred in this month. It looks like, and that's not good enough. They're they're not gaining any ground. Yeah, five hundred basketball in the month of January is going to cut it in this playoff race, but also just being five hundred basketball the rest of the season. They're just like this the rest of the way. They're yeah. not. They're going to fall back in this playoff race. Pretty pretty significantly yeah that late November early December stretch that put them in this hole they need a an opposite stretch of way better to to get out of it and yeah that, that's it doesn't seem like it's anywhere in sight right now anything else you want to hit on burn from this ugly game from the Suns <laughs> no I think that wraps it up Alrighty, guys 112 87 is a foul score one more time for you guys the Suns are now 18 and 26 in the season we'll be back to you guys tomorrow for next episode